Okay, so first roll of the Somcast, James. Be ourselves without being ourselves. Be ourselves without being ourselves, yes. As our wives told us to, right? SomaCast, uh, live from the world headquarters of the Senate of Mid-America. Yes, I am uh, Landon Witsit. I'm the executive and stated clerk of the Senate of Mid-America, and with me is James Gale. Say hi, James. Hi, James. There you go. James is the director of operations for the Senate of Mid-America, and this is the first installment of a uh, of our weekly podcast. We're going to call it the SomaCast, and today we want to talk about what is a Senate. Do you know what a Senate is, James? I hope you do. <clears throat> No dead air, James. Come on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Remember, I have to be me without being me. What did people say to you when you told them, I'm going to go work for the Senate? I think people were very, very much, um, what are you doing and where are you going? Sort of, uh, you're going off to this unknown place where we're not sure what they do. Right. Uh, I think that really comes because it's a great question. I'm not sure people really know what a synod is other than it's something between a presbytery and general assembly. And it is somebody who... Um, takes our money. Right, right. That is that is definitely a perception. One of the things that I love is when I go and I like apply for um, like a bank account or I have to put down my employer and I just kind of slide across the, you know, here's my card, here's where I work for. And people always mis- mispronounce it. Do you hear that all the time? You work for the Synod? Is that who you work for? Yes, or they automatically assume that we're part of the Missouri Synod. Right. As, since we're here in Kansas City. But yes, people, and then they ask that great question that you ask, what is the Synod? Yeah. And where are you? Yeah. Um, so I think it's a really good question. So, um, what is a Synod? Yeah, I mean, the Synod operates in a unique position in the Presbyterian Church. It's very, it's not a Presbytery. And as, you know, for, for you Presby geeks out there, you know, Presbytery is, is the collection of, um, collection of congregations. And the whole purpose of the Presbytery is to help the congregations function well and, and, uh, and hold one another accountable and make sure that good mission is going on within a, within a certain local region. So, like, for instance, James and I are members of the uh, Heartland Presbytery, so we're the Kansas City Metro area and, and a few points beyond, but basically the Heartland Presbytery exists to help congregations in that geographical area, make sure that they're fulfilling the, the mission of God in that area, but then you've got the General Assembly, and how, how would you describe the General Assembly to, uh, to a non-Presbyterian, James? Uh, uh, to a non-Presbyterian in a positive manner, I think we would explain our General Assembly as sort of our national government, uh, sort of our, uh, well, I used to say Congress, but I'm not sure that would be a positive reflection on the General Assembly. <laughs> Um, but sort of our national governing body where, where we do our denominational business or uh, the world headquarters of our world headquarters. Right, yes. As, as, to use your language there. So General Assembly is sort of the, the top of uh, our pyramid. Mm-hmm. And then again, as you know, the same thing with the Synod is that oftentimes we think of our governance in the Presbyterian churches from top to bottom where it, I think it's really bottom to top. And I think one of the first places to start thinking about synods is, is, is that we exist to serve, not to manage uh, those that we're partners in ministry with. So we don't tell presbyteries what to do more so than... Wait, we... wait, wait, wait. I don't get to tell presbyteries what to do? No. As Dang! Our, as our executive uh, <laughs> of our local presbytery likes to point out to you, you are not, in fact, king of the church. I am not king of the church. Maybe bishop, but not king. See, now that, and that, that, that is a really interesting thing. Um, this is where I experience most often, because... As the Synod, you know, we cover Kansas and Missouri and a few counties in Illinois that are part of the St. Louis metro area. Um, We are 
in fact, tasked with being kind of the ecumenical liaison for the Presbyterian Church in this area. And so a lot of the ecumenical, the other denomination folks that I get together with and, and have conversations with, a lot of them are bishops. And so they will come to me and they will say, tell me about your job. And it's, it's hilarious to watch the look on their face when I say to them, well, Bishop so-and-so, I have almost all of your responsibility, but absolutely none of your power. And their jaws just hit the ground. Like they cannot believe that I would be responsible for serving Presbyterians in two states and I have no authority to tell anybody what to do. But, but that's uniquely Presbyterian, isn't it? Um, not having authority to tell people what to do, yes. I think that's very uniquely Presbyterian. Why did we set that up that way, do you think? Why, why do we like it that way? Well, I think it goes back to the understanding that we believe in a ministry and a priesthood of all believers. And I think we're living that call out that, that we're trying to exist as a church that instead of having one or two voices, using the plurality of voices and the gift of the Holy Spirit to figure out where God's calling the collective instead of it being the individual driving it. Mm -hmm. And again, I think it goes back here at the Synod, one of the things that we're really focused on is not driving the bus, but helping map out where the bus is going to go and maybe making sure that we get the supplies and where we're going. And we see ourselves as a partner to entity rather than strictly as a governance entity. Right. And I think that's a very big shift from what we have classically understood synods to be, or at least the perception of what folks think synods are. Mm -hmm. uh, that we are not simply somebody who's there to say, this is the way and only way. We are there to help people uh, find their own way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because at the end of the day, what we want is we want to see congregations thriving. We want to see congregations and the individual members of those congregations enacting the body of Christ. I mean, that's really where the mission of God, we believe, that, that is the primary place where the mission of God happens. That's where lives are changed. That's where, that's where people come into, uh, into contact with, with, with the Holy Spirit, I mean, we say, I mean, in, in a very real, tangible way. You know, we don't do, as the Synod, we don't do weekly worship services. We don't hold Bible study every week. Those are, those are not things that we do. You depend on your local congregation. And so to pick up on what you were talking about, this priesthood of all believers and this service, you know, so you've got a whole bunch of these congregations that want to enact the mission of God, and so they collectively come together, um, and you know, it, it, it's kind of morphed over time, but but in the origins of our system, these, these congregations have collectively come together to help one another, and we called that a presbytery, and there are certain people within the presbytery who, who assume leadership or servantship roles to help congregations, to help them do that together. And what, and I think, it, it, tell me if, if you see it this way, at least I hope you do since you work for us. Um, tell me if you see it this way. I mean, in the same way that a presbytery, you know, puts itself, uh, organizes itself and, and, and calls certain servant leaders to help congregations do what they need to do. It's kind of like that old 80s comic, The Watchman. You know, who watches The Watchman? For us, I, this is the way I choose to think about it. You know, the presbytery servant leaders are the people who are trying to help congregations get it done. Well, who helps those servant leaders? Who is the servant of those servant leaders? Who pastors the pastors right. in a very real way? Um, do, do you think that is a, is a, a, a good way for for I think our church at large, but particularly us here in mid-America, that we need to start thinking about the operations of the Synod? Absolutely. I think the who pastors the pastors. We have wonderful presbyteries who have very competent leadership yeah. who are doing wonderful things. And we have no desire to, to move or push those. In fact, we want to support those. Mm -hmm. But at some times, as we say in our office, critical mass for critical mission, yeah. some presbyteries don't have the access to manpower, um, people power. They don't have access to the resources or 
expertise. Another presbytery might have the expertise but not the people. And we're sort of that broker that helps put different pieces together to, to make sure uh, that ministry is able to happen. We don't do the ministry. We enable the ministry or we incubate and innovate the ministry. Mm-hmm. And I think if you think of it as, as that pastor, the pastor, we're the partner, the friend, the support network both intellectually as well as emotionally and spiritually for our presbytery institutions. Mm-hmm. Like I'd like to think of it when you gather with our EPs, it's a gathering a support network the same way a group of local ministers might have a ministerial alliance. Yeah. A place to kind of dream dreams, share concerns and and build up the body. Yeah. Yeah. So I I do think that's a great image of it. And I think that's at the heart of what Presbyterian is is we're we're here to take the collective parts to make a greater whole rather than focusing on the individual. Yeah, it's been fun in these in these we call it the EP forum where the executive or general presbyters of each of our presbyteries gather together. Uh, it's been fun to watch them, um, you know, get to know me. I've been around about a year and a half, and and some of them are, are relatively new. They started either around the same time I did or or after I did. And uh, I think our our longest serving presbyter uh, is there for like six years. So this is, a, I mean, it's a relatively young group, but it's been fun to watch them uh, really start to own this gathering of themselves. And 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 you know, in the beginning, I would direct a lot of the agenda, you know, say here's what I think we should talk about. But increasingly, uh, they just kind of want me to stay out of the way I'm more than happy to do so because these are some powerful people I mean these these are folks that God has obviously gifted and called to do this kind of work and uh, to watch them get together and do that work is fun but 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 is I mean is that all that we're doing I mean are we just um, are we just are we just you know gathering people together and giving them whatever they want to I mean is is that how Presbyterians work in general and is that how the synod should work should we just respond to whatever somebody says well I want X well okay we'll give you X is is that the way that we is that the way that we work or do we have some calling that's beyond just giving people uh, their their felt needs their felt desires are are we a consumer organization in that way well, in some ways, we do exist to, to give people what, what they need and what they see in ministry, and, and absolutely. And I would think that the relationship building is, for me, uh, the key component of mm-hmm. that. I think if you look at Jesus' ministry, he had 12 disciples that he shared uh, ministry with, clearly led the disciples, but there was a shared responsibility and sense of ownership. And I think we model that after Jesus, that we, we indeed have that Lord, sense of I hope so. Well, we are Presbyterians <laughs> talking about Jesus. We may be a New Testament <laughs> Uh, while we do empower and we do sort of act as a clearinghouse and, and sort of agency for, for making things happen, uh, we're by no means, I think, in pandering. Yeah. I think we don't simply give people whatever they want uh, whenever they want it. I think part of the leadership responsibility is that the Senate is empowered to be a place in which we do have access to um, resources and certainly people resources, expertise through networking connections, other synods right. uh, who can help us come in and make educated and good decisions about what to do. Right. You and I often share the metaphor of our office being sort of an architectural firm. Yeah, We'll draw blueprints for you. We'll help you dream up your house. We'll help you build your house. Yeah, like find. a design build firm. Right. And we always joke, if you want to put a toilet in your kitchen, we'll tell you that it's a bad idea, but ultimately it's your kitchen. And yeah. if that that's where you really feel called to go. We'll go with you. Mm-hmm. Now, panderings, we just build it and let it go. But I think here at the Synod, our leadership is to, to be able to say, 
and ask critical questions in a loving way. Mm -hmm. And I tie that back to that can't happen without that relationship that we talked about earlier. If you don't feel like you have an ownership and a value and a voice and a real importance from the leadership of the synod, you're not going to want to listen to what they have to say. Well, it's it's like with, I mean, a a lot of folks that are going to be listening to this are probably, um, you, you know, have not had a whole lot of experience with the synod, maybe not a whole lot of experience with the presbytery, but they understand their local congregation. And it's the same dynamic between those ruling elders that are called to serve on session, right? I mean, these are folks that we say, your job is to discern the mind of Christ and the will of God, not to vote the constituents. Right? You're, you know, you're, you're not elected the representative of pews three through nine, right? You know, you're elected because we believe that you uh, have a capacity to get over yourself enough to listen to what God wants. And so oftentimes we, we allow that group of people, you know, it might be three people in a, in a, in a smaller congregation up to 12 or 18 people in a larger congregation, but we allow those ruling elders sitting on session, sitting in session to, to make decisions because we trust that they've done their job well and they can see a, a larger field at play and know how to strategically make some decisions that are going to lead a congregation to something uh, closer to what the mission of God is. I think it's the same thing that works at the Synod. We want our individual presbyteries, our constituent presbyteries, to be successful. Um, but in, in some ways, Presbyterians have always said, the bigger field of vision we can get, the better, because that will only influence what's going on. And I, and I love your emphasis on relationship building. The fact that we are getting various members of our presbyteries together to, to cross-pollinate, to share the stories of what's going on. Well, this may be happening in southern Kansas, and this is happening in Missouri Union. That affects one another. What's happening in one place affects one another. And, and really, our job, I think, is to bring those pieces together so that that, uh, so that, 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 that good news sharing, uh, that good news sharing can go on. Um, we've got a lot of particular ways that we try to do that um, that I think are really positive and really helpful. One of the things that's that's coming up soon, uh, starting in June, is we're going to have our third our third session, our third cohort of our Gathering for Pastoral Sustenance program, our, our, our program for new pastors, new teaching elders that have, uh, are within the first five years of their ministry. Um, this isn't the first time the Synod has done a new pastors program. There was one a long time called uh, Pastoral, um, Pastoral Experiences in Transitional Ministry. Um, got reframed about four years ago into this Gathering for Pastoral Sustenance. We call it GPS for short. Um, and we're about to have the third cohort of this one. But this is what we've heard from the graduates. In fact, you're a graduate of of that first redesign of GPS. I'm not just the president. I am also a client. That's right. I mean, this is what we've heard from, from, from alumni of this program. I mean, you being one of them, you've, you've been great to have in this office to, to really help me get to a place where I'm extremely jealous that I didn't have GPS when I was first ordained. But one of the things that you all talk about, I mean, there's now, what, uh, 20 or so of you just from GPS? Right. This is the thing that you all talk about. All the, all the education, you know, getting to sit down with Pete Steinke, getting to sit down with Marjorie Thompson, getting to sit down with Chip Andrus and Andrew Root and Richard Blackburn. I mean, you know, these things are great. You know, I love sitting down with Eileen Campbell-Reed and learning about pastoral imagination. That's fantastic. But at the end of the day, the thing that you all talk about every single time is the fact that you have developed a regional network of colleagues that you can call at a moment's notice. That's the thing I hear from you all. How, how has that enhanced your ministry? 
Well, you know, there's that we laugh and we love that saying that no person is an island. Right. And I think ministry, and it's been demonstrated, there's there's spilled thousands of tombs of ink uh, on mm-hmm. that that topic. That that ministry is a place that you cannot exist in a solitary situation. Right. Healthily. Right. Um, especially for those folks who find themselves in isolated places, smaller churches that don't have colleagues. I was a solo uh, pastor, so GPS was my place to go and build a safe collegial relationship. I wasn't going to be judged. I didn't have to report to an EP or to a COM. It was really a place to go be me and to find and share, what are you doing at your church? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm doing this. Well, what are you struggling with? I'm struggling with this. And it was a place that built, built me up. And you're right. It is the relationship component. We had wonderful information. But the information was secondary to the fact that I knew I had a group that cared for me, that loved me, that prayed with and for me, and would be there for me no matter what. Mm -hmm. I think that is the quintessential heart of the gospel, and I think that's the quintessential heart of what we as Presbyterians are after. Mm -hmm. An authentic faith that's not just intellectual, but relational and emotional. Mm -hmm. You know, very mind, body, and spirit. So for me, the GPS program and the program we're running here is, is creating those types of things that get folks together and create community. And in the community, you also get the added bonuses of these other things. Right. So I want to be really clear that programs are great. Yeah. But programs without a soul or programs without something that binds it together is just information. Mm-hmm. And while that's great by itself, what really makes it unique and what I think is really unique about what we're doing and innovating here in Synonym in America is we're creating an integration between those things. Mm-hmm. And we're not really doing anything that's all that new, we're kind of going back and rediscovering that connectionalism. Yeah. When we talk about you know regional relationships, that has been the story of our denomination. If you go back and read, mm-hmm. we're not reinventing; we're rediscovering. Yeah. And um, for that, but to answer your question, GPS and relationship building, I did the first GPS cohort in 2009, so that's nigh on four years, and I'm still in contact and having. Um, lunch and catching up with folks later. Um, you know, when I decided to come and work for the Synod, my GPS group was one of the first places I went to talk about the decision. Wow. Uh, and I hope those friends will be friends 30 years from now. Yeah. Uh, and and I, that was from a program from the Synod. Yeah, my favorite quote, it came from one of the, the graduates, the alumni of the last cohort that we did. And it was at their last... Uh, it was their last session meeting, um, and we, you know, as you know, we do these cohorts five times over two years, uh, gather them together, and it was at their last one, and um, one of them said, you know, I think that GPS has a design flaw, and I'm, you know, my ears are perking up, I'm like, oh, this is great, you know, tell me how we can make this better, um, and he said, we only get to meet five times over two years? No, that's not good enough. I want to meet all the time for the rest of my career. I thought that is such, that is a great witness to the power of bringing, you know, bringing faithful people together and letting them work out together with some guidance of some really fantastic staff and guests and guest teachers, you know, letting them work out together. What does it mean to be a pastor in this, uh, in this day and age? And, and notice that this is the thing that I love is that we get to do those kind of programs as a part of the synod. 
Um, and there are some presbyteries that run these kind of programs, um, and, and and I'm sure that they are, are fantastic. I don't know about a whole lot of them. The ones that I do, you know, they, they, they work and they and they do well. But we're offering something that's uniquely different than what a presbytery offers. You know, the synods work. This is this is one of the great realizations to me uh, when I was starting to learn about synods and what synods do, and specifically what Mid America does. Is um, we're not a presbytery. I mean, we have we have the luxury of some space, and we have the luxury of of an expanse to be able to consider some of these, frankly, larger questions about the nature of ministry, the nature of the church, the nature of theological education, the nature of of ecumenical relations. That a lot of our presbytery colleagues, the folks that we serve, they just don't have the luxury of that kind of space because they are, in a very true sense, the boots on the ground trying to help congregations be the best congregations they can be. And that's why I love occupying this space uh, in the life of the church. Somebody has to be doing that reflection. Um, and the General Assembly does some of that, right? Um, but, but the thing about a synod is we are culturally, regionally specific. You know, we are, we are Midwesterners, dadgummit. And, you know, you came from, you, you know, you came from the Mid-Atlantic and the, and the South. I mean, you're a Southern boy at heart, but, but you have already noticed, and we've shared a little bit, that there's, there's something unique about Midwesterners, right? I, I tell people all the time, I am hopelessly Midwestern. I, I, I was sharing with a friend of mine who, um, whose family comes from Mexico that I was really jealous that I didn't have an ethnic heritage. You know, I don't have a, a cuisine that's unique to me. I don't have a language that's unique to me. And he looked at me and he said, oh, no, 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 Landon. You have a cultural heritage. You're Midwestern. The way you talk about being Midwestern is the same way I talk about being Hispanic and having my family come from Mexico. And it occurred to me, these regions in our church, we do things very specifically and very differently. Like, I, I, wonder, what, I wonder what it would be like to, to have this conversation. Well, I mean, I know a little bit of it, but I, I, I wonder if people would recognize the difference in the conversation, say, if we went to our, our, our colleagues over in the Synod of, uh, of Living Waters. How would they talk about the Synod? I think they would talk about it similarly, but there would be some very specific things about what it means to be Southern that would influence how they're doing. Is, is that part and parcel of, of, of how we should be going about doing our work, paying attention to these cultural, these cultural specificities? I, ex- I think that's exactly right. I think if, if one thing that the, the Presbyterians as a whole, from top to bottom, have missed out on is an understanding that there is no magic cure. Mm-hmm. What we do in Synod in America may have some ideas that would translate other places, but one of the gifts of the Synod and the Presbytery, it is a uniquely regional, distinct, thing. Living Waters gets its very name from, from projects that they do, so their identities in that. Synod of Mid-America gets it from the region that it's in, and while the names aren't necessarily the whole thing, but I, I do think people equate different things in different places. Mm-hmm. So again, I think that whole idea of synod, the word being the way, the way isn't universal everywhere. Yeah, I love that. Synod means the way. I love that. But there isn't one way to do things. There's certain commonalities. Mm -hmm. And again, I think it goes back to the essence of Presbyterianism. We have goalposts, and there's a lot of room in between Mm -hmm. for regional, cultural, Mm -hmm. ethnic, um, sexuality, all sorts of different ways of interpreting it. And we need all those different things to make it work. Mm -hmm. Uh, One example is, as you talked about, you know, GPS program regionally. For us, that's really important. Somewhere else, um, that might not be the same case because they might not uh, need that for 
different reason. Uh, so I think if we we think of our synod in Mid America, it's its unique context. Certainly, we share similarities. But yeah, I do think that it, the neat thing is is that we don't do it like the other guy or gal, mm-hmm. nor should we. Right. But we do it enough together that we have places for common ministry. Yeah. So you know, I'm a history major. And one of the things I, I like to say is the Roman Empire made a great habit of taking the best of every culture and not reinventing it. So what we do is we take the best of each presbytery, the best of each synod, these best practices, and use and build on them. And we don't have to reinvent things. So, yes, regional and, and having a little flair to it. I don't want to be the same as everybody else. I like the fact that, you know, and I think that's Midwestern. Totally. We're, we're pioneering independent sort of blaze the trail um, kind of folks who aren't afraid to get out there, get dirty and, and, and get messy and make it happen. Yeah. And, yeah. and so maybe that's why we like to think of ourselves as one of the frontline folks out there mm-hmm. um, getting dirty and messy so that the walk and ride might be easier for, for future folks. That's what I love. I mean, when I, when I think about the connections that a synod can make, particularly in this area of the country, Kansas and Missouri, you know, the, the, the frontier plains, um, this is a group of people historically. This is an area of people who have understood they got to put in some hard work to make life look, to make life work. You know, we've got to do it. We've got we've got to get in there, and we've got to we've got to walk our talk. But this is also the area of the country where the interstate highway system was born. We understand how to take these individual places, in some cases isolated places, but not always, just unique places. You know, Wichita is its own thing, right? Jeff City is its own thing. Kansas City is its own thing. But we figured out how to connect ourselves so that it's really easy to get from one place to the other. You can get on the highway from Wichita and be in Kansas City in three hours. Not until the advent of the highway system was that was that even remotely possible to be able to do that in such an affordable, easy way. And with our work uh, out here in, in in the middle of America, you know, trying to take advantage of of uh, information and communication technologies. You know, we have two of our synod meetings a year via conference call, go to meeting, Skype, where we take people and we connect them very easily. This is one of the unique things I think that that Mid America can offer to the rest of the world is is a witness, is a an example of here's how you can do this work in a better and efficient way and still get the work done that God is calling you to do. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's I think, what I want to talk about today. Uh, this is Landon and James. Say goodbye, James. Goodbye. Say goodbye, James. Goodbye, James. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. For more information about the ministry and programs of the Synod of Mid-America, you can find us on the web at synodma.org. That's S-Y-N-O-D-M-A dot org. If you have any comments or questions, you can email us at office at synodma.org or give us a call at 913-608-7662.